Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. What takes you to another level? What the Pell is up, everyone? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans, and I am your host, Elliot Clough. It's at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And before we get started, folks, if you haven't yet, I don't know how you haven't, because we're reminding you every damn day. Leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe and or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. That way you're going to get reminders when we start up and when new podcast is up. That way you can check it out. Stay up to date on your New Orleans Pelicans. To start off today's podcast, I usually don't post on Sundays. I don't think I've posted on Sunday once, nor did I ever really intend to, especially after... Uh, Saturday's loss. It was an ugly one, and we don't necessarily need to go too deep into it today because I'm sure none of you watched the entire thing because I cover the Pelicans and I didn't watch the entire thing. That was so ugly that I fell asleep in the third quarter. Yep, Elliot Clough, who has a podcast and writes for the Bird Rights, fell asleep. So I don't blame you for changing the channel, turning to something else, or yourself falling asleep because it was ugly. But unfortunately, we do have to talk about it to catch you up, to share some thoughts on the whole deal about how the Pelicans have sucked as of late, which sucks to talk about. But we gotta do it. We gotta keep you informed. We gotta... We gotta get some clarification on this whole thing because this is just... This is just not the way this needs to be happening. This team is too talented. There's, They're too deep. Alvin Gentry knows what he's doing, for the most part, I'd like to think. Fred Vinson has done too much with this team. David Griffin is too smart. Trajan Langdon and Swin Cash are too smart for this to be happening. Medical staff clearance or not, and we'll get to that in a second, but this is this is ridiculous. Like, New Orleans has a tough enough history as is with guys like Dell Demps in the front office and Anthony Davis being the star of this team for this to happen. This is just ridiculous. The Clippers are fantastic. They have two of the best wings, which is a weak point for the Pelicans defense, as we know. But, I mean, they didn't have Lou Williams. They didn't have Montrez Harrell. And you can say, oh, but the... Clippers also hit 25 threes, which is 75 points, but Gentry said today in his media availability that it wasn't because of their lack of defense on the perimeter, which is false, completely false. He also said the same thing about his worry wasn't that there was a lack of effort. I don't think we were watching the same game, if that's the case. When you're down by 42 in the third quarter and your starters are sitting on the bench and don't look like they want to be there, basically didn't want to look like they wanted to be there from the get-go, I'm going to go ahead and say that lack of effort, probably an issue. 
This was just uninspired basketball. They were not having fun. Looked flat from the tip off. Seven turnovers in the first quarter. Seven. Did they get to their 21 from that first game? No, only had 18. But when you're not playing with very little intensity, and so is the opponent, I think it lessens the likelihood of increasing that amount of turnovers. But seven in the first quarter against one of the top teams defensively, and just top teams in general. Like, this is a team that's going to be competing for an NBA title and lost against the Lakers in their first matchup in the bubble. And it was like the Pelicans looked at him and said, Oh, we'll we'll help you get in rhythm. That, we'll just lay over. You got it. We'll hand you the ball. Give you seven turnovers in the first quarter. Get going from three. We, we got you covered. If an alien race came to America at this point in time, in the middle of a pandemic and social unrest and us playing basketball in a bubble, and saw this, they would probably think, why are these two teams compete? Is this a competition? Or is this just, are we here to let the Clippers win? Weird analogy, I know. But applicable yeah. Frank Jackson, and, you know, we've done a lot of roasting of Frank Jackson. You can go back and listen to our, our conversation with Chris Connor, very first conversation with Chris Connor. We had a little bonus, a little bonus episode where we pulled some, pulled some audio from that conversation, and Chris kind of got to rant on, on Frank Jackson, and that was fun. That was really fun. And he did actually talk about some defensive value that Frank Jackson brings, and on this last Bird Calls podcast that I was that I appeared on, Kevin Barrios had mentioned that he feels like Frank is just a cut and a spot up shoot kind of guy. He's not a point guard, point guard, which he's not. He's just a defensive piece. But I mean, you got to commend the guy for giving effort throughout the whole thing. In the time that I did watch in the third quarter, he did. Frank Jackson was all in from the get go, and so absolutely commend him for that. You know, I, I joked on Twitter that the Pell should immediately re-sign Frank Jackson, and that's just, it's not true. And I said, this is my hill to die on, but you got to commend the guy for that. This is the NBA. We're not out here to just lollygag and drop games. And especially in this situation where you're vying for a playoff spot, what the hell? What the hell is that? I mean, and and Chris said the same thing, and I think a few other people have said the same thing from the bird rights, is imagine if that shot goes in in that first game, what the narrative would be. Well, imagine if they hadn't let up that lead and played with some actual intensity and <laughs> played good basketball in the fourth quarter against the Jazz. Like, you, you got to believe that they would have come out and played more inspired basketball. Zion would have probably got more minutes. Than he did. Only 14. You know. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was out there. Went his full. This game doesn't matter mode. Was 6-7 from the field. And scored 15. And Great for our two backup point guards. I guess. But when a 23 point loss. Isn't indicative as to how bad the loss actually was, you know that that thing was 
was just awful. They were down by 42 in the third quarter. Good lord. And how do you keep your energy up and get going if your energy guy in Zion Williamson, who brings the momentum with those huge junks and electric plays and passes, and who starts, isn't allowed to play more than a five-minute, quote, burst? And he can't even, like, get going. He said today in his media availability that he'll go out there and barely break a sweat, feel like he's going, and then they take him out. How? If this is about rhythm, how the hell do you get rhythm in a five-minute burst? If it's about fitness, how do you get fit in a five-minute burst? And he didn't even go at the, the basket with, like, confidence. Go back and watch the tape. And when he does, the lane's clogged. Because Derek Favors is just chilling down there. Uh, And the thing is, in that first loss, too, the narrative was, oh, he has a negative 16 plus minus. He was playing awful. Well, he was also 6 of 8 from the field and scored 13 points in 15 minutes. Shut the hell up. Plus minus does not... I mean, look at who else is on the court with him at that point in time. Shut the hell up. Is it a valuable stat? Sure. But golly, that's stupid. Don't come at me and tell me that Zion's inefficient or anything like that because he's one of the most efficient players in the league in his 21 games. These two games in the bubble, not so much because he can't play enough to get going. I mean, if you want to roast anyone on plus minus... B.I. was minus 29 in this game in 24 minutes. Minus 29 in 24 minutes. 5 of 11 from the field for 14 points. And I love B.I. and you know that I love B.I. So don't come at me for this. He took responsibility for the loss, was aware of, of what happened, and he'll be back. And the Pels should still absolutely give him a max contract this offseason. And I tweeted today... There was some bull crap coming from a supposed scout on Twitter. Joel Francisco, he's not verified or anything, but he can screw off. He's got 13,000 followers. Good lord. <laughs> I don't think he's ever actually watched Brandon Ingram play basketball. Said, I don't care, other than <clears throat> this last game against the Clippers. He said, I don't care how talented you think Brandon Ingram is. Not a winner. Okay, no motor, false, horrible demeanor. Well, they were down by 42, and the entire team looked like that. He said doesn't guard a lick, which to a degree you can give that to him, but Ingram is long, and he just needs to learn to use that length. Like, he's still young as well. He said all-star my ass, which is just so funny. He's the most improved player in the league. Went from scoring 17 last season to 24 and being the star on this team. He said that... B.I. needs a mindset reversal. I quoted it and I corrected it for him and said, they've played two games in the bubble and my entire opinion is based off of it. Shut the frick up. Golly. Brandon Ingram's a good player. And I'm just trying to say, like, just be impartial. Can we not, you know, put a spotlight on Zion in a plus-minus situation like that when minutes are not 
coming up plenty for him, and you have to factor in who else is on the court. You can't just look at plus minus at its face. That's not how this works. Advanced stats are better in that situation, and advanced stats still don't tell the whole story. Things have to pass the eye test. Obviously, the entire team looked bad, so this minus 29 does not affect BI. The minus 16 on Zion does not affect, affect him either. Look who else is on the court. Anywho, this game was just U-G-L-Y. She ain't got no alibi. Ugly. She ugly. And to move forward, B.I. And, and, and Coach Gentry said that the plan is to move forward, look forward, not look back at this loss, look back at how awful. And then I'm not, it sounds like I'm putting words in their mouth, but that's not my, my prerogative. Basically, they just said the plan is to move forward, which, good. But the thing to take away is you have to play inspired basketball if you want to get into the playoffs. Into that nine spot, even. The Grizzlies have looked rough. Trailblazers look really freaking good. I didn't see the, the Celtics game, but in the regular season without Nurkic and Zach Collins... They're not competing with the Celtics like that. Are you kidding me? Apparently, Dame made a pretty tough decision, and <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic made that awful, awful pass towards the end of the game. But the Trailblazers are back, and if the Pels really want that 8 or 9 spot, they're going to need to start winning now and take advantage of this super, super easy schedule in front of them. Now, to go forward, like the Pels plan on doing, they'll have to face off against the Memphis Grizzlies, of whom we have talked a lot about on this podcast. I've talked a lot about how the Pels are just a better team and, and that they really should take the 8 spot, if not get the 9 spot over the Grizzlies. And talent-wise, yeah. Matchup-wise, absolutely. 100% true. But the way they're playing right now, I have a lot less confidence than I did going into the bubble. There's, they can still win. I still give them like 65-70% chance to win. Pels are the better team. Again, better matchup. It's a really good matchup for, for the Pelicans because the Grizzlies just don't match up with the depth that the Pels have, and also the defense that the Pels have is just so much better than what the Grizzlies can, can put forth offensively to beat them. And looking at the bubble schedule, the Grizzlies have faced two teams that are under 500 and lost to them both. Pels have played two teams that are above 500 and beat them both. Or sorry, also lost to them both. <laughs> that would change the narrative of these last rants that I've made. But the, the Grizzlies played the Trailblazers and then the Spurs, and they're about to take on the Pelicans coming up here. So against the Trailblazers, at one point the Grizzlies had a pretty hefty lead, if I remember correctly, and then in overtime the Trailblazers ended up pulling away and won 140 to 135. So looking at this game, 
the Grizzlies had a lead in the third quarter. They were up by three. Ultimately, the Trailblazers came back, tied it up. And then it went into overtime, and the Trailblazers obviously won by five. Then yesterday, in the first of a back-to-back, which also helps the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, they lost to the San Antonio Spurs. They, they mounted a comeback, and then the Spurs beat them. And, oh, this is just not looking good for either the Pels or the Grizzlies. I would say more on behalf of the Grizzlies because these are two close losses. And this game against the Pels could be what the Clippers game was for New Orleans in where the Pels just come out and beat them down and the Grizzlies are just flat because they had two demoralizing losses and they're coming off the first half of a back-to-back. So this could be it for the Pels. This is why I have hope right here. Now in these last two games for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. have led the way in scoring in that first game it is jaron jackson jr for 33 points john morant ended up putting in 22 to be second in scoring for the grizz and in this in the follow-up game jaron jackson jr put in 21 to john morant's 25 for opposing teams the leading scorer in each game Dejounte murray Deontay murray i don't know how you pronounce it uh, that point guard for for the Spurs put up 21, and then in the game for the Trailblazers, the leading score was C.J. McCollum with 33, followed by Damian Lillard with 29. So that point guard shooting guard position is going to be where the Pels will be able to expose the Grizzlies. Now. Does that mean Lonzo's going to have to be the leading scorer for the Pelicans? No, I don't think so. I think if you put B.I. in more of a point-forward situation, let him play, not necessarily the two, but a scoring three position, I think that that can be a point of emphasis for the Pelicans in these games. Along with exposing the weaknesses that the Grizzlies have showed as of late, we can refer back to the two games that the Grizzlies played against the Pelicans earlier on in the year. Not necessarily this most recent one where the Pels won by like 29. We can go back to the first matchup between these two teams that happened in Memphis on January 20th. This was the game, a couple games prior to Zion's return. And look at that. Leading score was Drew Holiday with 36. So, could be Drew. Could be the go-to guy. who's 12 of 18 from the field, 7 of 10 from 3. So, this was a really good game for Drew in this one. 36 points, 6 boards, just 1 assist and 2 steals. But, if the Pels are going to come out at full strength, at the you know peak level of what they can be, Drew might have to be the guy. Now, in this second game where the Pels did win by that astronomical amount, we can look at it just briefly because we know that Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't play in this one, so that was a big loss. Brandon Clark also not there for the Grizzlies in that matchup. Zion was leading scorer this time around, 
had 24 points in 29 minutes. Wow, that is something. That's a really nice, uh, really nice stat line. I mean, just everybody on the Pels went off. This was very even outscoring. Zion was the one to pass 20 with that 24. Brandon Ingram put up 20, followed by Lonzo Ball with 19. Drew Holiday with 18. And then following him was J.J. Redick with 16. Each one more, Nicolo Melli and Josh Hart also reached, all reached double figures. The only player that was in the negative in plus minus now after I have gone on that rant was Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The only one. <laughs> Everybody else was was positive. Frank Jackson was with the plus one. Zion to plus 25. Drew Holiday plus 24. This is really annihilation of the Grizzlies in that one. So the common theme between both of these games, because we can't necessarily liken them too much to each other just because they're so different and Jaron Jackson Jr. is so important for what the Grizzlies want to do is that Drew this is where we're going to start for keys to the game. Drew has to lock down Ja Morant. That's the way it's been in both of these games. That's the way it's going to need to be today. Drew is a premier defender in the league. We have hammered that home because it's true. He needs to be an on one of the all defensive teams in the NBA this season because of how much he's done. In this last game where the Pels won 139 to 111, I believe Jaw had two points going into the fourth quarter and then ultimately got the rest of his 16 in the fourth. I believe it was like one of six or something like that going into the fourth quarter. Just had one board and three assists other than that, two turnovers. So it's not like Drew was necessarily causing turnovers, just stopping him from scoring. Jonas Valanciunas also fouled out in that one, so that might have been pretty uh, pretty big for the Pels in that one. Also, for New Orleans, who is going to match up with Jaron Jackson Jr.? How is that going to work out? Jaron Jackson Jr., being as versatile as he is 6'11", 242, this is where the Pels might get shredded. The only person that I think can guard him is Derek Favors. Then, what do you do with Jonas Valanciunas? Who's guarding that guy? Because you know they're both. I mean, they're both going to start. Like that's just the way it is that the that the Grizzlies do things. So I have no idea how that's going to go. I mean, do you put Brandon Ingram on him because he's long? Then Jaron Jackson Jr. is just going to bully him down down low. Bully him. I don't know what you do. I, I genuinely don't know how that works out. Who guards who? And in the first matchup, I don't know how Jaron only had 19 points because Fave didn't even play. Jaleel Okafor didn't play. And I mean, it's not like he's the greatest defender in the world, but like... I don't know how they did that. I mean, Jackson Hayes is the only guy above 6-7 that started in the 126-116 to victory from their first matchup earlier on in the year, January 20th. And then the next tallest guy is Brandon Ingram in the starting lineup, and then on the bench is Melly. I have no idea how that worked out. 
And the thing about the Grizz is that you can't run the floor like you normally would against an older team because they're just as young and they want to do the same thing. Not to the degree that the Pelicans do it. But I don't know how that he was held to 19 points. I have not a clue. No idea. So, so that'll be definitely a point of emphasis going into this one coming up today. I hit on it, so I'm not going to address it too much here, but inspired basketball has to be a thing. They have to be out there and believe that they can get the eight spot, nine spot even, and win. They have to believe it. They have to really believe in, in the medical staff because I honestly think that loss to the Clippers was kind of an FU. Like, oh, you don't, like, you're not all in on us winning? Then neither are we. I don't know that for a fact. I don't have a source on that. But it's a possibility. And with that said, Zion Williamson has to play 25 minutes. He has to. This is just ridiculous. This this burst thing, stupid. I, I love Aaron Nelson. He's a great, great guy. He's very respected around the league. What's going on right now is stupid. This has to stop. Has to stop. I want to trust them, but what's going on right now, if it's really for rhythm, it's not working. There's no sense of urgency with this team because these guys don't believe that the front office or the staff thinks that they can win this year. This whole, we're not playing Zion, Zion sitting in the bench on the bench when there's a minute left and we're down by one. That is just a bunch of bullcrap. It is. It's stupid. Zion Williamson was the first overall pick in the draft in 2019 for a damn reason, and he needs to be on the court. And he wants to be on the court. He wants to play. He wants to get in that rhythm. And if you really want to get him in a rhythm, you'll leave him out there for more than five minutes. And lastly, turnovers, turnovers, and yeah, turnovers again. Seven in the first quarter, can't happen again. 21 for the game, can't happen again. I realize we're busting off the rust. I realize it's early on in the bubble and everybody's getting back to the groove of things, but it just can't happen like that. Drew can't be the guy with six turnovers. That can't work. Lonzo needs to learn how to freaking fill up the basket again. He only needs to learn how to make a basket. <laughs> Get a layup, bro. And don't continue to be the guy to shoot, 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 distribute because you're good at it. Get the get the floor, run the floor, man. You're that you are one of the best in the league at that. Do that because you're phenomenal at it. And if two of these five things that I've listed, Drew locking down Jaw, we're figuring out who's matching up with Jaron Jackson Jr. Zion playing 25 minutes, inspired basketball, and cut down on the turnovers if two of those five things don't happen it's done it's done the rest of the season's done there's no way that the Pels get in the playoffs if two of these five things don't happen I believe Drew is going to lock down Jaw I believe that they'll figure out a matchup for Jaron Jackson Jr. because they've done it already also either that or they just figure out how to lock down the rest of the offense which they're capable of too so those two things, I'm really confident in. The other three, not so much. Inspired basketball is dependent a lot on what we see from them in the first five minutes. 
on on <laughs> on God. That first five minutes is so vital. So vital to the way they play. Fine, if you have some turnovers in there, fine. If you genuinely love the idea of getting in the playoffs, then you'll you'll recuperate, you'll be fine. But you have to believe in yourself. I'm not confident in Zion playing 25 minutes. I'm more confident in inspired basketball and maybe cutting down the turnovers, hopefully to just like 15. 15 is still a lot, but if you just cut down to 15, then you can definitely win this game. So 15 turnovers or less, Zion 25 plus minutes. If two of these five things do not happen, I, I my confidence goes a lot lower. If three of the five don't happen, it's done. Not a chance. Pels do not win this game. They're not going to go to the playoffs. And at that point, mail it in. Send Zion, Brandon Ingram, Drew, Alonzo home. Call it. We're done. No need to get these guys hurt. Maybe more depending on what, you're, what you think the future is. Maybe more guys. People who are on the bench. Derek Favors is probably leaving this offseason. And... From what we've seen, if he doesn't recuperate and fix up the rest of these eight games, maybe good riddance. I mean, the Pels need spacing. They need a wing defender and spacer at the five. This offense is clogged the frick up, and it's not working like this. Zion and Derek Favors are not good together on the court at the same time. They're just not. And, folks, I didn't want to be this guy, especially in the media. The media is really, really believing in gentry for the most part there's one twitter account that we're not going to reference but this might be the tipping point for me where the conversation finally starts i'm just saying the conversation starts i'm not saying fire gentry fire gentry fire gentry that's not my that's not my motive here that's not the goal just saying the conversation starting because if the pels can't put it together when it matters most then why are we keeping this guy around We'll give him the benefit of the doubt with the medical staff, but at some point you got to have a level of influence where it's like, we can win right now and my job and your jobs depend on it. Let's go. Zion's ready to go. We need to believe him. We need to stop what we're doing right now because it's building resentment on the team. It's breaking the locker room up. This is ridiculous. And if he can't do that, then maybe he shouldn't be the coach of this team. They miss the playoffs. I, I might be on the fire gentry train. I might be. Because you know who's out there chilling on the Clippers bench? Tyron Lou. You know who shouldn't be? Tyron Lou. He's been to a championship. He's won a championship. He's coached plenty of championship caliber teams. LeBron James. You telling me he's not going to jump in and get the respect of the locker room? And now he's on a championship staff with the Clippers who might go and win one. I've heard that Ty Lue isn't that great of a coach because anybody can take LeBron James to the finals. Fine. But he's been there before. He went there as a player. He was there as a coach. And players like him. They want to play for him. Go get him before the Brooklyn Nets do. Bring him in. That is a championship-level coach. If we're done with Gentry, that's what needs to happen. 
Uh, that is my that is my hill to die on. <laughs> I made the joke about Frank Jackson, but this is it right here. This is it. And I'm going to reiterate one more time. I'm not saying the Pels definitively need to fire Alvin Gentry. It's contingent on a few more things. But if the Pels lose today, this is where the conversation is going to start for me. And I just ask that you hear me out. I'm going to run those keys by you to this game one more time just so we <laughs> so we end on a decent note here. And we can remind you what those are before the Pels take on the Grizzlies later today. So Drew, got to lock down John Morant. Got to do it. Who's guarding Jaron Jackson Jr.? Can't let him go off too much, but if you do, just make sure you're locking down the rest of the offense, which shouldn't be that necessarily that difficult. Zion, got to play 25 minutes. This 15 minutes a game ain't going to do it. Inspired basketball, you cannot start off slow. You have to believe you can get that 8 seed, maybe 9 seed, and get into the playoffs. You have to believe it, you have to play like it. Turnovers, turnovers, and one more time for good measure, turnovers. Can't happen. 7 in the first quarter, no. 21 total, no. 15 or less, preferably. Pels fans, thank you for tuning in today. This was a fun podcast. Go give at Elliot Clough a follow on Twitter. You're going to be getting all the Pelicans content there. I see stuff from other people here. Sources going to go ahead and share stuff like that over there so you definitely want to go do that while you're here if you're listening on apple podcasts go ahead and subscribe leave a rate and review do it! and if you're listening on a different platform just go ahead and hit follow and if you have the opportunity to leave a rate and review go ahead and do that as well go follow believe on instagram twitter and facebook and you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on believe.com or just head over to apple podcast spotify or google play wherever you're listening to this podcast right here and you can check out some more pelicans coverage on sb nations the bird rights that will include work from our former guests preston ellis ali cosell chris connor kevin barrios and david grubb so once again folks i'm ellie clough this was believe in the new orleans pelicans Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.